It's Tuesday, October 26, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Gary. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up? And once again, joining us from East Texas, our associate editor, downtown, Emily Brown. Hey, Emily. Hey, y'all. Hey. Uh, you did great. How, you, how do you feel about your debut on Friday's episode? Like sitting in for the whole show. After now that it's done, I feel great. <laughs> we got a lot of negative feedback about your answers to the You really set the internet on fire. I know. I'm yeah. such a controversial person. With your Christian Mingle hot takes, people were not. Okay. You okay. know what? I was right. I'm right. And I am proud to say it. People <laughs> don't appreciate you maligning a good boss man in Tyler Huckabee. Uh, he's, he's a flawed individual. We all know that. Um, but for it's you, a flawed just, individual. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to start naming some of his flaws and you tell me when to stop, Emily. And let's, let's just go ahead and this thing let's no. I'll just be silent then. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Hey, so I, I, oh, but did you have to do the guest camera? Well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, we have a great show coming up. Uh, later, we, uh, Hillary McBride joins us. Uh, we talk about having a healthy and holistic view of our bodies which is an interesting conversation. Uh, that's coming up later. Plus, we have slices. And at the end of the show, you don't want to miss it. We have a very special game called the Spooky Season Spectacular. It's a very timely Ooh. game. It's Halloween week. So figured Spooky Season Spectacular coming up. I, I, have, I have a question for you guys that, that has, you know, something I've been thinking about lately. And I don't think I'm alone here. Yeah. You know, if, even Let's prior see. to the pandemic, we were all, you know, I feel like prestige TV and cheap, relatively cheap streaming services, you know, we were all watching a lot of TV anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But during the pandemic, it was all we did. We would, we started off with Tiger King and two years later, we're still, you know, Squid Gaming, whatever the big thing is. But mm -hmm. I find myself like nothing is entertaining anymore. Like I will turn on all of my devices and look through everything I can watch and be like, nothing looks interesting. The other night I did, I had like a little fire pit in the back yard. I just sat there and I just stared at the fire because that's what people used to do. They stared mm -hmm. at the hearth, right? They didn't have TVs. They just sit, sit around. And I was like, honestly, I, I like it's either board games are going to come back or people are just going to get very comfortable doing nothing because I, I enjoyed myself more thoroughly doing hmm. nothing by not having any source of entertainment at all, right? Like I used to wonder how kids thought pushing a hoop down the street, you know, pushing a uh, uh, yeah hoop with a yeah, stick down the street, street. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, right. My grandparents were always playing cards and stuff. And I was like, this seems boring. I have TV. I'm over it. Are you guys like that too? I feel like I've watched everything and it just, it, it, it seems like more work to me to watch things. Or does anyone else find that or am I alone here? No, I'm completely agreeing with you. In fact, while this episode is out, I'll, I'll be, uh, in the mountains uh, doing exactly what you're doing, just sitting there staring at fires with my kid. That's what I'm going to be doing because yeah. it's, it's, I agree with you. Uh, the need to shut off the need to like not have constant stimulation, constant intake, I think is pretty important. Derek, you were just on vacation for a week too. I mean, like Look, do you shut off ew. when you go away. I've been shut off for a minute. Like I pop on, I pop on IG and Twitter 
say yeah. my little piece and, and go. Cause I mean, like, and then as far as like TV, I don't really watch a lot of TV much anymore. Just being honest, because it's, I've seen it. I've seen so much, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I've been kind of doing a deep dive in some animes that I've been meaning to catch up on, but outside of that, that's really, that's really it. So yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I'd rather, I'd much rather be, uh, be outside doing something. Emily's right like, what? Look, the, the, Emily's uh, love language yeah. is celebrity gossip and it is know. celebrity gossip. Well, okay. I will say, I do think that like TV and movies, I don't, I mean, I don't really like nothing really grabs my attention like it used to anymore. Like I'll sit mm. and watch it, but I don't get wrapped up in it. Um, I also, this is like my old person trait. I do word search puzzles at night instead of be mm. on my phone because I just, I'm on technology all day. Um, so I like, I'll have TV on mainly just as background noise and then I'll do my little word search puzzles or Sudoku. Emily, um, Emily yep. I do, I do Sudoku and two crossword puzzles every day. I'm exactly like ones. you. I do it, New York yeah. Times and USA Today every it, day. It, yeah. it, it's it's like when, you know, like in the movies where, you know, they, they go and, and it's a cutaway to the old grandfather in like <laughs> the attic and he's making old, you know, bottles in or ships in bottles. And you're like, who would ever do that? It's like, I'm getting close to my dissatisfaction <laughs> with TV where I'm like pretty, pretty close to becoming like building ships and bottle guy. Like it's, it's become that like I get everything else is boring. Entertainment is no longer entertaining. I need something old school that people have been doing a long time and seem to pretty enjoy. And the, and the closest I got right now to anything that seems doable is being the bottle, uh, the, the, the ship in a bottle guy. I mean, it's you get the appeal of that kind of stuff coming out of this pandemic, you know? I'd say that, my version of that is Legos. I do Legos all the time mm. and it's it's mm. my ship in a bottle. I mean, like yeah. you're creating something. It's, you know. Anyway. I do puzzles. Like, I'll do like the physical puzzles, but I... I don't know what it is about me. It's really hard for me to like walk away from a puzzle. I want to do it all in one sitting, mm. which is terrible because I'll do like a thousand piece puzzle and I will, I will <laughs> and have stayed up all night doing a puzzle like nine hours. And like, I'll take a little bit of breaks, but I have to do you have friends it. over. No, Emily, like a puzzle I feel party? You on that. No, it is just me. Just you. Nah, <laughs> I, I feel you, Emily. I'm with Bottle you. of wine, thousand piece puzzle. You're set. Like just, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's called a good night for that's me. That's a good <laughs> night. <laughs> I remember in college one time I, I was briefly got involved with young life and it, the, the reason it was brief. You make it important. sound like a cult. Like I briefly dabbled. Bruh, for real. I, yeah, well, I'm just saying it, it was too much of a time commitment. I had a lot going on in those days, uh, and I'm not saying my priorities were right. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, I had I that was the thing to go. But anyway, when we did like our young life training or whatever, we'd go over this this person's house with a bunch of us college students, and we would go and do kind of the training and Bible studies and stuff. In the, this person's train room, they had a room in their house that just had mm. model trains going mm -hmm. everywhere. And I was mm -hmm. kind of like, dude, I kind of want to be involved with this because I want to check out that dope train room. <laughs> and so every night I kind of tinker, you know, with his little villages and stuff. Tunnels, yeah. mossy tunnels, whole deal. Okay. Oh, it's a whole train room, right? I mean, we're going from seaside to country to mountain around this thing. And at the time, I remember thinking, man, this is one dope train room. And I'm thinking now there's nothing preventing me from just being a train room guy, too. Like people, maybe in the neighborhood here rumors here, here jesse's got a sweet train room he's got a bunch of trains up there little model yeah, trains i don't think people around. are saying positive things about your train room if you yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with i'm with emily on that one yeah. wait hold on, hold on hold on hold on you just told me you would stay up all night 
Heavily drinking, <laughs> okay, heavily drinking bottles of wine heavily drinking making puzzles alone and I'm the weirdo because I like trains I don't have a puzzle room hey my last house it, it's like when you make a room out of it that makes it weird yeah. think about it like people who collect like people who have dolls like right. cool doll room yeah. weird you know what okay. I'm saying where am Pu- I putting the trains Pu- Derek puppets cool puppet room Crazy yeah. Legos, cool Lego room, crazy. Okay. Hold on, hold on. Like, <laughs> at the end of the Lego movie, at the end of the Lego movie, he had a whole city set up in, in the Lego. Weird. Hey, my last house, I had a Lego room, a literal. You're weird. Uh, we, had, we had an extra room, and I had a kid, and I love Legos. And once you build the sets, where do you put them? So we had a room with like big building tables and all Lego stuff. We had a TV in there and it was a Lego room. And we had like the Lego train set, Jesse. And it had like, like we had the train going around the room. It was a whole thing. And then we moved. It it starts, it starts off with train rooms and Lego rooms. And the next thing you know, you got Neverland. So we just, you know hey, hey, if I could have a roller coaster and a chimp, I would. That sounds incredible. Yeah. yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, you're telling me said more people during the pandemic couldn't use a chimpanzee for a little companionship? I'm saying he had a movie theater, he had popcorn machines, he had rides. Derek. I mean, come on, I never leave. That pl- I love, is I love weird. Derek's, I love Derek's I metric. I, Derek has a very I he's he's defined a very specific metric of uh-huh. when a hobby becomes a problematic personality. Association. He's like, yeah, exactly. When it moves to room status, it's, it's bad, bad news. Beanie Babies. Uh, Beanie Baby Room, you're probably a serial killer. Right? You're a serial like, killer. You're on a watch list no at that qu- point. I yeah. bet you the Zodiac Killer had a Beanie Baby Room. No lie. <laughs> they found out who the Zodiac Killer is, and he had a Beanie Baby Room. I'm telling you for sure. But but what uh, to you, Derek, to you, what's uh-huh. a workshop? Like if you have a workshop, if I like doing woodworking, stuff like that, and I got a, a workshop, maybe it's a shed in the backyard, maybe it's part of the garage, and I go there to that's do my hobby. Different. How is that's that different? No, that's different How? because first off, if you have a workshop, saws, you can use a saw for multiple different yeah. things, right? Uh-huh. Now, if you just have Beanie Babies stacked on the wall, <laughs> they're not doing anything but uh-huh. looking at you. Uh-huh. It's weird. Like music studio. Yes, I got I got keyboards, different things. I use them on a daily basis. Now, uh-huh. if I just had like hand sanitizer room, like that yeah, would but, be okay, weird. But see, my Lego <laughs> room was a room that we would go to and we would build Legos in there and play. And I'd play it's with my much. kid in there. How is that different? Bruh, because they pink. The Legos is pink, red, yellow, green. It's just weird when you just have... I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you, bro. Like, I mean, just every time you've seen a scary movie... Think about this. Every scary movie with, like, the crazy serial killer that nobody knows what's going on, they always have a weird room full of stuff. And you just like, yep, that's the one. That person got a cat. That's the cat lady. She got 13 cats. That's why she's killing folks. Cause she, you know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the difference of being like, hey, I'm really into Hollywood memorabilia. To I have a room in my house where I, you know, is, is dedicated to my favorite celebrities and pictures of them and I cut the eye holes out. That's when it becomes a problem. <laughs> yes. you know, I'm yes. very tempted to call Tyler Huckabee right now because he's a comic book aficionado. And I want to know how close he is to having a comic book room. Because Derek, if he's just a comic book nerd, which I think is is a label that he would he would self-diagnose us. Yes. Right. 
it's he a should. problem if he has a comic book room. Is that would that be correct? Listen, if he pushes a button That's in his a room library. and a, and a door that? opens and there's like a trap door somewhere in that mug with like, okay, here's the really special comics. Is he weird? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you just got comics on a shelf, I get it. People have records, records on a shelf. It's different because it's like you know you read record you you know you read comics you got but it's like when you start having rooms and then what makes it like you're definitely a serial killer if you have a trap door somewhere with more stuff in it so just let you know i have this down to a science it's down mm-hmm. to a science mm-hmm. all right all right well moving so Cam- along Cam- Cam- i feel fitting. very Cam- nervous <laughs> Cam- feels he has a basketball room and a lego room i do but very attacked and I would I was, love to have rides in my backyard. I have looked listen. at buying those blob things that you can put in a lake where you jump onto them and shoot people off. And that's the beginning. I want a zip line that goes from the house to the water. I'm, I want to build Neverland. Listen, I stayed the night. At, I stayed the night at Cameron's room at Cameron's house, and he has he does have a memorabilia room. And it's when I saw the memorabilia room that I made sure I locked my door every night. And here's why I don't trust Cameron with zip lines and rides in his backyard. It's not acquiring them or making a really cool design. It's the maintenance I'd be concerned about because I think he would get bored after them. I get yep. bored after, after amusement park ride after like a day. I'm like, no, no, no yeah. I'm good. I can just go home. Yeah. You know, Cameron would get bored. This is a man who just recently realized his boat's been sank for like two months. Okay. I do not trust him. That's All true. I have to do is float. I mean, you just put it out there and put a rope on it. That's the entirety of the maintenance. Yeah. And, and somehow it sank. You're right, though. I'll I say it. That was part this. of the pitch. Why, why, uh, that was the pitch for Cameron. I was like, yo, you bring your boys down here. We'll go on the boat. Man, we'll go get dinner and all that stuff. And I get there. He's yep. like, yeah, my boat sank. I'm like, why did <laughs> what, what happened? Did there. it get hit by did it get hit by a cannon or something? Like what? Like what, what um, happened? You know what I mean? I the pirates did it. it like no, I, I it just filled up with water and I just watched it sink. <laughs> I was just like, I just I, I I didn't have a category for it. Jesse knows me very this well. This is not a man who this is not a man who knows how to care for a chimpanzee long term. Is all we're saying. <laughs> that is a boat yeah. is not safe. A chimpanzee. That is That's why you're in seven side. Is I yeah. will get really into an idea. I will do the thing and then I will lose interest and move on to the next idea. I do not maintain things well. That's true. That is very true. So that's why I'm scared I, to get on that diving board, bro. Yep. Just being honest, this man the Jimmy rigged the diving board. I did. I the the diving saw, boards. Every time I got on it, I shot a prayer up, like oh, Jesus, please, when I don't <laughs> let the stage snap and, like hit you in the backside. It's gonna... <laughs> no, I did install that diving board myself. That is true. And the thing is, like you know, the people who you know get super into like owning like a python and buy the terrarium, they're like, oh, this is crazy. I'm just gonna let it go in the Everglades, no sweat. Cameron's gonna be like that, but with a full-grown chimpanzee in a diaper in suburban Orlando. Like, I'm bored. Hey, see him. See, see you, checkers. Just run away. Florida man lets chimpanzee run loose. Yeah. See you, Mr. Bananas. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Bananas. Alright, we'll move the show along. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Slices. You're listening to Band of Horses. The song is Crutch. Okay, it's time for Slices. 
What do you have, Jesse? And stop attacking me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just preventing. I'm trying to prevent a chimpanzee, a savage chimpanzee <laughs> attack in in downtown Orlando from this <laughs> monkey wandering the streets that is no longer cared for. Um, <laughs> okay, I I found that I found a study that I found really interesting uh, recently. I wanted to bring it to you guys. It's from uh, a publication called Sage Journals, and they actually looked at. Uh, it's not. This isn't just uh, an American thing. They actually for this uh, survey got results from people in 17 different countries, and they wanted to find out the relationship between social media uh, usage, uh, particularly different so popular social media platforms, and the propensity for people to believe uh, uh, objectively false conspiracy theories. The, the three conspiracy theories proposed in this experiment were, were related to uh, COVID misinformation, but they're all pretty wild. The, you know, like it's, for example, the coronavirus is an accidental leak of a U.S. military secret experiment. Like most of them are, you know, are, are you know, they are solidly in the disinformation camp. And so they actually had a really interesting finding because they were looking at people's usage of Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, YouTube, or Messenger. And they found that uh, in, in, in almost all of those platforms the, the people um had an increase in conspiracy theory beliefs by several observable percentage points except for one of the platforms actually reduced people's belief in conspiracy theories so all of the major social media platforms except for one not only uh, uh cause people not to disbelieve conspiracy theories but it increases their belief in them can anyone guess out of facebook twitter whatsapp youtube or messenger which one actually causes people to disbelieve conspiracy theories which what, what were the options one more time you said facebook twitter definitely not whatsapp facebook. messenger and whatsapp and youtube i mean messenger would be direct communication with other people so maybe that what's that I'm, I'm thinking whatsapp maybe yeah it's, i mean the same thing those are both messaging platforms it, 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 yeah. while. i'll go twitter just why not <laughs> Emily, you are correct. What? And the what? reason and the reason that they have uh, uh, identified is not only is it, you know, you know, at first they were like, maybe it's because people um, react very rapidly to it. Um, but they were like, no, that can happen on other platforms, too. Like the interface, you know, kind of favors immediacy. But that's not necessarily it. I'm going to read a quote from the Sage Journal. Social media platforms like Facebook and messaging services like WhatsApp and Messenger are built for interacting with family and friends. Also, relationships are these platforms are symmetrical, where if person A follows person B, it means person B also follows person A. This is a stark contrast with Twitter, where interactions with strangers predominate mm. uh, uh, in the relationships and are asymmetrical. So the numbers of followers and number of people one follows uh, are highly unequal. So basically, on Twitter, you know, I could be following a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, kind of intellectual celebrities, musicians, along with family and friends. Where on these other more personal apps, it's usually uh, confirmation bias is way more um, that makes sense. Uh, uh, prevalent because essentially all of those favor an echo chamber approach to content sharing. Twitter's mm -hmm. the only one where you regularly are, you know, kind of interacting with perspectives and ideas that are possibly outside of your own. Um, so I think as we're thinking about the future of social media, you know, right now, obviously, Facebook is you know, uh, uh, responding to a lot of criticism, you know, involving the leaks about how harmful uh, their product is, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you know, how 
their algorithms is affecting people to have, you know, civil social discourse. It's interesting to find one platform that, you know, maybe just an unintended consequence of a functionality actually causes people to think more rationally hmm. and be able to, to decipher misinformation more quickly um, because it's not just following uh, the model isn't just built on following your friends and family. I mean, if you think about it, if somebody prominent like a conservative leader or a liberal leader says something that's not true on Twitter, the immediate replies are from other people saying, calling out the mistruth, you know, so you, you, you're right. Like right there, you see the lie and then you see people setting the record straight in the same stream. You do not see that on Facebook. Yeah, because yeah. most of the people in that in that comment thread are friends of your aunt who posted yep. the weird misinformation <laughs> mm-hmm. in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. Yeah. All right, what do you have, Emily? Um, I want to talk about how some supposed brilliant person decided to give guns to robot dogs. Oh my gosh! Um, this is terrifying. Playing. Yeah. So there's, yeah. um what is it called? Ghost robotics. They have these robot We've dogs. Also, we see like, the Boston robotics dogs that, that yeah. are uh, artificial intelligence. You know, they walk around on their own. They can figure out how to open door handles and stuff. We've right. all seen them. They look terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some genius decided to give, um, an unmanned rifle to these dogs and said, yeah, let's, let's just give robots dogs. So apparently they've never seen a single sci-fi movie. Um, so they don't know the dangers of this <laughs> or they just don't have any rational thought whatsoever. The picture of this um, is crazy because they strap these assault rifles on the backs of the dogs and the, the robot dogs like uh, artificial intelligence now are armed to yeah. kill. And these are, these are like the robot dogs. They can like open doors and like yeah. get in places. And stuff. They're very smart. Um, they didn't need guns. They didn't need to be built in the first place. I'll say that, but they don't need well, the, the reason why they did it, I read this article, is for military purposes, that this could actually save soldiers' lives because these robot dogs with the guns can replace soldiers in the field. So yeah. there's yeah. an oh, army man. of thousands of Terminator dogs of artificial intelligence, <laughs> like... But what happens free. when they turn on their creators? I've right. seen that movie. It what, doesn't what, end well. I mean, there's literally an episode of Black Mirror called Heavy Metal that uh, involves it is it is a long chase scene between a group of unfortunate humans and one of these you know robotic weaponized dogs. But I, I think part of the reason why it seems so visceral is because it's a, it's a four legged robot with a machine gun on its back, you know, but the actual artificial technology that we've weaponized at this point to me is far scarier. It might be, you know, seeing a, a drone that looks like the, you know, a styrofoam hang glider isn't all that doesn't cause this visceral reaction, even though that could literally you know, kill anyone on the face of the earth at will. I and, thought the drones you know, were remote controlled. They're, they're AI. They, well, I think they, some are, yeah, they, they have, I mean, a lot of them are just flying around in certain patterns looking for uh, visual indicators and then a pilot will come back under the control. But I mean, what? you know, there was a, there was a Iranian, there was an Iranian nuclear scientist. You guys can look the story up from, I think it happened about a year ago and you know, it was, I believe Mossad operation to, you know, 
assassinate this this nuclear scientist. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but all that to say, the 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 scientist was killed by an unmanned vehicle on the highway that had guns pop out of it and assassinate him. Nope. Like, but it wasn't the, an AI vehicle, was it? No, it sir. was it was controlled. It was remote controlled, wasn't it? I'd I'd have to I want to say there was some manner of AI functionality uh, uh, at, at play there, but That's either crazy. way, either way, even if something is controlled, if AI if AI if AI technology exists, yeah. applying it to uh, devices that already are functional is just you know one step that really literally terminate. Literally, we don't need guns. No, yeah. AI does not need guns. Yeah, that's that's yeah, but the again, the rationale, the military community is saying this is a breakthrough because it'll save soldiers lives. And it's just like, yeah, until the uprising, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it, but it no, is, someone can hack into it. Like, right. What's right. what's keeping that from happening? I, right. I mean, my 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 cousin was an EOD officer in the army. And, you know, that's like Hurt Locker. I don't know if you guys remember Hurt Locker. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, they dispose of explosives out on the battlefield, landmines, bombs, IEDs, things like that. And robotics, you know, I guess in this case, they're not necessarily AI, but they are weaponized robots, you know, can are able to, to safely, you know, uh, uh, disarm a lot of very dangerous things that are out there. But, you know, so there is some moral complexity there. Like, I think, mm-hmm. like I said, it's sort of the visceral visual that I think causes a lot of reaction. But there is, to Cameron, your point, some some kind of moral tension that I think is worth wrestling with, you know. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you have, Derek? Yeah. So. uh a a lady on TikTok requested her data from Amazon, and she got like three thousand. What was it say? Like a, a like three thousand different files of all the stuff that Amazon had. A lot of them were voice files. So say, huh? and now like from the Alexa, yeah. From the mm-hmm. so she has three uh, speakers Get and like echo dots, echo you know? dots around the home. And they they had all type of data that that were like voice clips of her saying like, hold on, I'll read it. She says, um, so when she downloaded the zip files and all the folders that came with it, it was scary. She says there had to be at least 3,534 short audio clips in that one file alone. It turns out they have a full list of the contacts from her phone. And she says, I never remember syncing that. Um, <laughs> on top of that, they had like files of her requesting like, Hey, can you turn on the, the lights? Right. So just all the vo- voices and all those different things with that. So, I mean, 3,500 voice clips, like I would expect they would have some, but that's a lot. Uh, but also Amazon responded. They said that, uh, now here's something, cause I know we could do the doom and gloom thing, but then at the same time, Amazon, this was their official response. They said customers can import their mobile phone contact to the uh, Alexa app. It says customers can easily review and delete their voice recordings or choose not to have them saved at all at any time. So yeah. for anybody that has an Alexa dot or anything like that, you can, Tell yeah. them that you don't want them to keep your to audio, listen. but apparently well, you can even if you, you can set you, it to not listen too. I mean, you can't because right. my mom, my mom, I got her one for a gift and uh, she was like, I don't want the internet spying on me. And I'm like, all right. So I sent her all the links on how you can disable the, right. the listening part of it, but still use it as a nice little tech device and speaker in your home, you know? But yeah, yeah that's scary. If you, the default is we're going to listen to everything and keep it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. How many people are savvy enough to go through all that? Most people that get it, they're just plugging it up, 
uh-huh. you know, connecting it to Bluetooth and letting it ride. So, mm-hmm. uh, yikes. Yeah. So go. So the answer is just uh, go on Google. How do I make my Alexa not do all that stuff? And then exactly. there really is like a really clear, easy way to do it. And you know, everybody should be smart about the Listen, tech that they if have. You're, in their if homes. you're spending most of your time with toy trains zipping around up in your weird, creepy room with with pictures of celebrities with the eye holes cut off, you don't even have to worry about this kind of stuff. I got other hobbies to worry about. Okay, train to help. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Hillary McBride joins us. to Ethan Tosh. And the song is Happy Right Now. Speaking of Happy Right Now, today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from being happy or achieving your goals or keeping you from experiencing peace? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world, it can be difficult to find purpose and joy sometimes. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your very own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone session. And of course, you can message your counselor anytime. But to top it all off, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. That's why as a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash relevant. Well, our guest today is Dr. Hillary McBride. She's a therapist, researcher, and author who specializes in trauma areas and body images. She's the host of the podcast, Other People's Problems, where she uses real people and real problems to demystify mental health. She recently published her book, The Wisdom of the Body, which explores the broken and unhealthy ideas we tend to have about our bodies. Uh, Hillary spoke with her very own downtown Emily Brown about how we can have a better view of ourselves and our body with a holistic mindset. Here's our conversation with Dr. Hillary McBride. So I want to know, what inspired you to write this book? I think a few things. One, um, I would say my own journey to understand the content in a way that was like lived and felt and known to me. So my own journey of eating disorder recovery and then doing trauma processing work and realizing how much how much trauma was really stored in my body and my relationship to negotiate feeling joy and pleasure in my body, even though I carry chronic, chronic pain. I have for about 13 years. So the I think really the experience to come home to myself and realize that in spite of all of the experiences that I had, all of the, the things I'd learned to think about my body, my body is good and is is for me, is the place where life and joy and connection happens. And so very much my own story in that way. And then as I started researching this more from an academic perspective, really digging into it in my master's and my doctoral work, I started talking about it more with people in a kind of colloquial way in in public settings, on podcasts. And I realized that 
most of the time that I was talking about bodies with people, they still conflated bodies with appearance as if the only thing that matters about our body is how it looks to other people. And then consequently, how we're taught to judge how it looks. So this understanding that there is a huge gap in our understanding of how we connect to ourselves as bodies. And the more I dig into this, the more I see how I think that that is at the root of so much of the ways that we are disconnected from each other as people, the way we create hierarchies of power and value, all of it coming back to which bodies we're told are good or not good. What you're saying, I think is so true. When people talk about their bodies, they just mean like the physical appearance, but um, it really is so much more than that. Um, And why do you think it's important that people understand that your body is more than that? I think it allows us to fully inhabit ourselves. I think, I mean, again, maybe I'll start with the individual or the personal. I think it is about coming home to ourselves more fully and actually living with more nuance, with more richness, with more depth, because so much of our existence is in the body. And yet we have relegated our sense of identity to this tiny little piece of tissue in our frontal lobe that's responsible for conscious thought. We think that that's where most of us exists and we're missing the rest of it. But then I think the secondary piece of that is I think we're we need to undo systems that have disconnected us from our body. And the only way to do that is to come into ourselves more fully. So I think depending on where you are in the book, you might have gotten here or not. I try to be pretty on the nose about it, that I think that embodiment is a way that we undo some of the damage of patriarchal culture, of uh, colonization, of fat phobia, of white supremacy. I think embodiment, among so many other things, sexism, I think that embodiment is part of how we create a more just and loving world. I like the definition that really comes from the academic sphere, Merleau-Ponty and Neva Peran. Um, Their work has really influenced me and my understanding of this, so I'll borrow from their definition heavily. But that says that our embodiment is the lived and felt experience of being a body, not just having a body, but being a body, and then how that experience is shaped by our engagement with the social world around us. this part in the book and it's very interesting it's about how the body stores trauma and stress um and i think that is a really interesting concept that a lot of people aren't aware of so could you maybe explain a few ways that like trauma and stress tends to manifest itself in our bodies without us realizing it yeah absolutely the body in a kind of non-linguistic non-time by time-based way stores memory and one of the ways that it does that is it codes sensory information based on our current surroundings and locks those together with the intensity of the response that we had when we encountered something. So to really like make this um, tangible, an example might be we smell something and then we have a scary experience. And because those things are linked together, next time we smell that thing, our body's going to queue up all of the intensity we need to get out of there so that if we're in danger, like we were at the time before, we don't get hurt because we didn't see it coming. So it's kind of like I, we want to beat danger to the punch sort of thing. And this is how our nervous system has evolved, how we've been designed so that we can get away from danger before it happens. And so sometimes we have these experiences where we're really worked up about something 
And we think it's about the thing in front of us. And most of the time, it's not about the thing in front of us. It's about what the thing in front of us reminds us of and doesn't remind us in a kind of linear cognitive way, but reminds us in a felt experiential unconscious kind of way. I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because there's another part of your book that I really want to talk to you about. Um, It's the chapter on the spirit side of the body. And particularly, you have this one idea that I have been thinking about ever since I read it. Uh, It's the idea that, you know, like in the church, we are taught that the flesh is the enemy of the spirit. And you, you know, you talk about how hearing that message can make us have like this negative view of our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think you're so, I think you're so spot on. Um, Mm. I think that is definitely something that we hear this mixed message in church. So how can Christians or the church at large just change our language to make sure we're not spreading these negative body ideas? Oh my goodness. Well, I, (laughs) I think you hit right at the heart of it. So much of the way that we have constructed this mind body dualism in the church has been a really significant negative influence on culture at large. I mean, most of our cultures, whether we like to believe it or not now, were influenced deeply by theological ideas and interpretation of scripture and the way that that was deeply wrapped up in colonization and white supremacy and all of the other narratives that go along with that. So I think one of the changes that we can do is start to develop a more critical hermeneutic of scripture. So instead of reading the text and necessarily Um, reading it unintelligibly or without critique or without an understanding of what's going on culturally for the writers and the interpreters, we can, um, yeah, I just think that's a really important piece of this, like being aware of how it is interpreted and how we are reading, so many of us reading into scripture, our own biases. And I think Maybe an anecdote is this, or an an antidote to this as well, is remembering that the incarnation is at the center of the Christian faith. There is no way for us to see that bodies are bad, while also seeing that the whole premise of this faith rests on God taking on flesh, God becoming enfleshed in a body. And so these ideas are fundamentally incompatible, that we, the body is bad, but the spirit is good. But then Jesus, who is without sin, is in a body. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that the body is inherently sinful or bad then. That means that maybe we're misunderstanding, or maybe there's something more complex going on here in those ideas that are being fleshed out in scripture. was Dr. Hillary McBride. You can read more of our interview with her over at relevantmagazine.com. Stay tuned. Up next, it's our game, the spooky season spectacular. listening to Pond. The song is Take Me Avalon, I'm Young. Okay, it's time for Spooky Season Spectacular. You know, it's Halloween (laughs) this week, and 
as good Christians, we've been celebrating it all month long on this show, apparently. A lot of Halloween content. Uh, I The other day, I was talking to Tyler. It's like, we don't do this much Christmas content. Like, like in December, we need to... Why are we talking about Halloween so much? Um, anyway, here's the game that he wrote. This is a Tyler Huckabee original. Um, as mm. Americans, we suffer a near constant crisis of identity. The pools of consumerism and tribalism have rendered us so unconvinced of our own inerrant worth beyond what we own, what our job is, or who approves of us, that many of us have truly no idea who we really are. Instead, we try on prepackaged identities manufactured for us by our capitalist overlords. This sounds In this like a way. really fun game. Tyler's going through some. Right, no, this, is, this is this is about to get real. In this way, Halloween Monopoly. Halloween becomes a rare opportunity to think outside this existential crisis by becoming someone else altogether. Whether you're a little girl dressing up as a black cat or a grown man as Don Draper, Halloween is a time for us to say something about ourselves by who we're choosing to become for one night. Taking on someone else's identity as a way of commenting on our own real one. In fact, Halloween may be the one night of the year in which America shows its true face by wearing a mask. In this game, each of you will be given a year and several popular Halloween costumes. You must guess which costume was the most popular pop culture costume that year. If you guess correctly, you will be crowned the mayor of Halloween Town. If you lose, you will plunge our nation further into its crisis of identity. Please note, this list omits gen- uh, generic popular costumes like Frankenstein and witches. It focuses only on pop culture specific costumes and includes all age groups. Do you guys get it? So I'm going to say a year and I'm going to give you four choices and you tell me the most popular costume that year. Okay, Emily, you're first up. The year is 1990. Which predates your birth by five years, I believe. That was negative five. Yep. Yep. Okay. So 1990 was the most popular costume, Ariel from The Little Mermaid, Edward Scissorhands, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or Kurt Cobain. 1990. Don't think it's the first two. Um, I'll go with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is correct. That is correct. Easy, easy, easy. Beautiful. All right, Derek, the year is 1992. Was the most popular costume in 1992 Crisscross, Catwoman, Princess Jasmine, or Bill Clinton? What? 92. <laughs> most popular Halloween costume in 1992 was a Crisscross, you know, the hip hop. Right, I know, I know. Catwoman. What? If Princess you know- Jasmine. <laughs> Well, you can't see that it's the K spelling of crisscross. I didn't know. Okay, crisscross, Catwoman, Princess Jasmine, or Bill Clinton. Most popular in '92. I'm going with Billy. I'm going with Billy. The correct answer is Catwoman. Catwoman. Oh, okay. All right. All right, Jesse. '96. Yeah. 1996 was the most popular. The Nutty Professor, Spice Girls, Ghostface from uh, from Scream, or Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. I'm going to go. I feel like it's it's got to be ghost-faced. Yep, from Scream. That's correct. Yep. Good job. All right, second round. Here we go. Emily, you're up. 1998, you were three. Uh, most uh, popular, was it Rose from Titanic, Zorro, Rob Zombie, or The Dude from The Big Lebowski? Oh, gosh. Okay, say them again. Rose from Titanic, Zorro, Rob Zombie, or The Dude from The Big Lebowski? Ninety. 
Mm, I remember so much from back then. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with the dude. It is correct. You've gotten Emily both is of killing. Those. Correct. Yeah. That celebrity pop culture is really coming in handy. <laughs> you know the great thing about the dude costume? It would also work for a costume of just like a person in 2020. Because it's like a bathrobe, sweatpants, flip-flops, and a carton of milk with no cup. You know what I mean? Like, we're just hanging on, man. We Pandemic. are hanging yep. on here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Derek. 2002 is the year. 2002. Was uh, it... Hermione from Harry Potter. Did I say that correct? Yes. I don't even know. Because it's not spelled Hermione. It's spelled Hermione. Anyway, Hermione from Harry Potter. uh, Avril Lavigne, Nelly, or Frodo Baggins? Oh, we want Frodo. It's Hermione from Harry Potter was the most popular costume in 2002. For real? Yeah. That was like the first movie. That was when the first movie came out, I think. Or right after uh, the first movie came out. Ah, okay. Cultural phenomenon. All right. Okay. Uh, Jesse, the year is 2003. Most popular costume. Was it the White Stripes, The Bride from Kill Bill, Spider-Man, or Andre 3000 from the Hey Ya music video? 2003. I think it's it's between it's between uh, Kill Uma Thurman and Kill Bill and Spider Man. I'm gonna go Spider Man. Spider Man is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, next round. Okay, it's Emily two, Jesse two, Derek zero. Here we go. 2004. Emily, you might actually remember 2004. Was it the pink polo era Kanye West? Was it Steve Zizou from The Life Aquatic? Was it MF Doom or Jack Sparrow? I'll go Jack Sparrow. Yeah, I mean, there were yeah. like three like indie choices, and then Jack Sparrow. Yeah, and then a, and then a Disney property. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two quick observations about MF Doom. It's to my recollection of his mask. It's like the opposite of a COVID mask. It literally covers every part of the face except for nostrils and mouth. Except right? for his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> mouth. yeah, yeah. exactly. T- second part. That's got to be top ten cop- t- pop culture artifacts. If you own a legit MF Doom mask, like that's yeah, got to be on cool. a very short list of very cool things Thanks. you could own. Yeah. I'll be honest. I just had to look up MF Doom. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. No, 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 no. I'll take, I'll take no. it back. I'll take it back. <laughs> no, you supposed to lie. <laughs> MF Doom was one of my favorite favorite rappers, but I never saw him without his mask until he passed away recently. And then a lot of the coverage, like him without a mask, was seen. Yeah. It was you never want to meet your heroes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> him, there's a reason why he had a mask. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, oh, the mystique was bust. Don't Google MF Doom without a mask. Oh um, no, nah, man. 2006, Derek. 2006. Most popular costume was it V from V for Vendetta? Was it Derek Shepard from Grey's Anatomy? Was it James Bond or Amy Winehouse? I'm going with V. V, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, Fox. The Guy Fox mask. There you go. All mm. right, Jesse, 2007. Was it MIA? Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street? Hannah Montana? Or Shutter Shades era Kanye West? <laughs> um, if there's a year that you want to dress up as Kanye, it's this one. I'm going to go Kanye. Hannah Montana. <gasps> really? Hannah I knew that Montana. one. In 2007, I, for some reason, I feel like that was much longer ago. But uh, look at Miley's young, I guess. Okay. 2000, uh, Emily, you're up. 2008, was it High School Musical cast? Lil Wayne, Suit and Felt Heart era Kanye West, or The Joker from The Dark Knight? Oh, Dark Knight. 
Choker. High School Musical cast is the correct name. In 2008? Yeah. Yeah. That movie came out in like 2005, 2006. Well, you know, took a while. That's interesting. Uh, Derek, the year is 2009. Viva La Vida era Coldplay. Coraline. Megan Fox from Jennifer's Body or the fame era Lady Gaga? Run it back. Who you say? You said Viva La Vida era Coldplay. Just skinny jeans and a white shirt. Right. Coraline, Megan Fox from Jennifer's Body or the fame era Lady Gaga? I'm going with Lady Gaga for sure. That's correct. That is correct. All right, Jesse. The year's 2012. Okay. Taylor Swift from the 22 music video. Katniss Everdeen, Iron Man from the Avengers, or Mumford and Sons? <laughs> well, at, the, <clears throat> at that time, uh, Mumford and Sons was basically you could be groomsmen from hipster wedding. Um, and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, I like an old barn with, with, you know, string lights. So I'm going to take that off the table because that mm-hmm. was basically a groomsman outfit. And, and, you know, yeah, that was drinking, like a normal drink, outfit. Drinking a fancy cocktail out of like a mason jar. You know what right. I mean? Like that was that era. No, <laughs> oh, going to a wedding? Cool. What what old dilapidated farm is it on? Um, right. Suspenders. <laughs> yes. I was so, in a wedding like that. I was like, what are we, we doing here? We're not wearing tuxedos. I'm going barefoot with old tattered dress pants and an off-white shirt with I, you the invitation is requiring me to grow a handlebar mustache and learn the banjo i don't want to be in this wedding now my um, partner had a little sauce so he let he you know he bought all of his jordans that was our uh our okay. groomsman gift so it was like it was like you know gray suit with suspenders or gray like pants suspenders white shirt and some fly Jordans. So, you know, I appreciate that we at least got some Jordans out to deal, but it was on an old dilapidated farm, too. Like, and That's what yeah, I'm this, it was a thing. It, it is like, at least that's a step up from like a flask. It's like, okay, cool flask. What, where would I going to take this? Okay, where it's not socially acceptable to care, carry around hard liquor in your suit pocket anymore. That era has thankfully passed. People do not do this anymore. You're not at a restaurant and someone's like, yeah, have a Coke, please. And they're mixing the cocktail at the table. Flask are no, don't stop giving them groomsmen. It's weird. Okay, you're putting people in an awkward situation. They're never going to use it. It's probably difficult to clean. And why do I need hard liquor in my pocket at all times. How do it's shaped you like a it? pocket. You, you can get a special brush. A little baby oh, tiny brush. Anyway. Enjoy. All right, all right what's the answer? Alright, get what, Taylor what? Swift from the 22 Music Video, Katniss Everdeen, Iron Man from the Avengers, or Mumford and Sons. Uh, 2012. Uh, the Hunger Games. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Katniss. Katniss Everdeen. That is that? Yeah. that. Which one is it? I love it. It's this. Never it's seen this. It. It's Never it's seen this. It. Oh, it's your tribute. I said, yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. All right, what's the score, Clark? Can you help me? Yeah, so uh, it's tied for Jesse and Emily, three, and then Derek has two. Ooh, last round worth three points. So it's anyone's game. Here we go. Emily, you're up. Okay. 2014. 2014. Most uh, most popular costume. Was it Ariana Grande, Anna from Frozen, Maleficent, or Wolverine from X-Men? 14, 2014. I feel like it was frozen because like I could not escape it. Anna so from it frozen is the correct answer. That is the correct that answer. Was, yeah, right. was also no. Anna. Absolutely. Anna, whatever. Ooh. Hermione. All right, uh, Derek, 2015. Yeah. Harley Quinn. If you're reading this, it's too late era Drake. 25 era Adele or Donald Trump. 2015. 
2015. Harley Quinn, solid choices. Harley Quinn, Drake, Adele, Trump. I'm going with Trump. Harley Quinn. My brother went as Harley Quinn that year. What? All right. Your brother did? (laughs) Yeah, and his wife went as the Joker. Oh, oh that's, that's dope. Okay. I like that. I like that. So, uh, so, so that year, the popular costume was the blonde haired sociopath that uh, ended up becoming a pop culture uh, kind of weird. Instead of the blonde sociopath that became president. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Whoa. yeah. Whoa. I knew what you were doing. I'll take it. I knew what you were doing. Whoa. All right. You, you, I'll be D Wade. You be LeBron. Finish this thing. Here we go. <laughs> I didn't say it. Y'all thought I done forgot, but I, somebody got at me on Twitter like, you always bring it up. Da, da, da. It wasn't me this I'm time. Sorry. It wasn't me. I'm Y'all got to blame was... Cameron and Jesse. I was keeping my controversial <laughs> stuff to myself. Just a joke. It's just a joke, people. I, it's just a joke. 2017 is the year, Jesse. This is the last one. 2017. Is it Taylor Swift from the Reputation album era? Uh, Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy, Lord, or Wonder Woman, 2017. Which Lord? Yeah, the one with the E on the end. Yeah. Not the one I, that Savior, doesn't Jesus have Christ. nails in their hands. What was, right. it, what was say the last one over time, Cameron? Oh, Taylor Swift, Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Lord or Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I appreciate Tyler trying to put pop stars on here. I don't think Halloween shoppers are all that, uh, uh, you know, considerate of which album release an artist is promoting <laughs> at Halloween time when considering their costumes. I wish we were at that place, but I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna go with Wonder Woman here. Wonder Woman is correct. You tied with Emily. Uh, you guys are both the mayors of Halloween Town. Yeah, there you go. Congratulations, you guys. So, Emily, All right, do you want to be the rise of Mark Driscoll or the fall? I, I'm <laughs> kind of hoping to be the What's fall. The, but... I want to be the toxic masculinity one. That okay, feels like a fun role to play. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's basically <laughs> both, but that's it's true. more of the rise, so you take that it's one. It's not me, y'all. I didn't do <laughs> it. Gotta walk it ain't me. Punching people I know face. y'all like to blame it on a black dude, but it wasn't me. Hey, you hey, said listen, the rise the one is you walk around and punch people in the face. Well, oh, that's the one I want. That's what I want. Honestly, the costumes are pretty much the same, except in the beginning, he used to cuss sometimes. So you can cuss, Emily. I can't. That's the ride. That's how we know which one's the ride. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then I can just say, like, sorry, guys. I'm just, it's not me. I'm playing a character. Yeah. Listen, yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for Spooky Season Spectacular. Well, before we wrap up, I want to thank Dr. Hillary McBride for joining us today. Make sure to check out her new book, The Wisdom of the Body. It's available now. Also, um, check out the faith section at relevantmags.com. And there you will find our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk, which is presented by our friends at Lumo. There's a morning devotional every weekday. And you can also sign up for the Deeper Walk newsletter to get it delivered to your inbox. Um, also check out the fall issue of relevant. It's available at the site as well. Just click on the magazine tab and it's an amazing collection of features featuring Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Hudson. Uh, the list goes on and on. It's an amazing group of uh, content and it's available ad free and for free. Thanks to, um, our presenting sponsor, UHSM. Go check it out. Uh, also make sure to follow relevant on all the, on the socials. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all day, every day. Uh, pumping out new content. Uh, it's a great way to keep in touch with everything that's going on. And uh, you definitely don't want to miss what's happening over at uh, uh, Instagram. The team is doing amazing stuff over there. It's a g- great follow. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> I'm Emily Brown. I'm Derek Martiner. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Mark Driscoll. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, he's not. He is not a Mark Driscoll. All right. Uh, we'll see you on Friday. Have a great weekend, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com See you, Mr. Bananas. Bye. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.